Happy Monday, Saints fans. It is a happy Monday indeed because your Saints got the win over the San Francisco 49ers on Sunday, 27-13, to marking it six wins in a row for your New Orleans Saints. We'll give you your victory music in just a second, but first, coming up on our show, we have Fox 8's Juan Kincaid, who will recap the Saints' win over the 49ers on Sunday. We talk a little bit about Drew Brees, his injury, what they expect to happen if Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill have to step up, and we recap, of course, Sunday afternoon's game. All right, here's your opportunity. Cue the music. Things off. Obviously, big win for the Saints yesterday, 27 to 13 over the San Francisco 49ers. Unfortunately, we're not just talking about the win yesterday. We have to talk about Drew Brees, the injury that he had uh, in the game yesterday to his ribs. It came out Monday morning that he's going to have an MRI, but the Saints are expecting him to miss some time. But uh, looking at that second half yesterday, how do you think the team recovered? You know, not going into the game, game, game planning that they were going to be without Drew. And Juan, we'll start with you. Well, I think they did as well as could be expected. I think what they did is they realized, okay, we don't have Drew. What's our next, next best option? Best option here, and it's Alvin Kamara. He's been arguably the best player in the league this year. He's obviously had more on his shoulders, I believe, than most other players in the league this year, with Drew being down, Michael Thomas being out for six games, Emmanuel Sanders not being around. So all the onus has fallen on to him to kind of step up and play at an MVP level, and he has continued to do that. Three touchdowns yesterday. He's done everything you could ask of a player of his status and making the kind of money he's making. So I think what they had to do yesterday was lean more on the run game and their defense, and both of those areas came through for the Saints. Yeah, the thing was, I, I thought they were right on the cusp of kind of getting on track offensive two-minute drill at the end of the first half and then come out the second half and obviously they have Drew Brees, so that throws everything off kilter a little bit. And, and James Winston, you know, he steps into a difficult situation. It's tough to just jump in in the middle of the game in a game plan that wasn't really catered to your particular skills. So, you know, you get a week of practice in, you get to cater things more to his liking. Uh, you get to play his strengths, and you hopefully see better offensive production. Because yesterday, if you don't recover a couple of muff punts, it's probably going to be a really tough game to win. Yeah. You know, I, I was going to say um, after yesterday's game, we were talking about how other teams stepped up. You know, special teams had a few big plays. Defense stood up. And and before this, you know, we were kind of waiting for the Saints offense to find their rhythm. And we finally saw that in the Buccaneers team. And we were like, this is the Saints offense we were used to seeing. And we were hoping to see that in the second half. But, you know, we saw it last year, guys, with, with Teddy Bridgewater, how they had to adjust the game plan for him. Do you think moving forward, it's going to be, you know, however, long Drew is out it's going to be continuation of different teams stepping up special teams having to continue to make plays defense having to continue to make plays or do you think you know they can rely on a Jameis Winston or Taysom Hill offense Juan? Well I don't think you know if you can rely on Jameis and I think you go back to what happened last year when Drew went out against the Rams and Teddy steps in Teddy wasn't great when he stepped in either it took him a full week of practice under his belt as JD said tailoring the, the offense towards what he does best and come to find out, you know, T um, Teddy was pretty much like Drew, short intermediate passes, very accurate with the ball. 
I don't think you have that in Jameis Winston. I don't think he can be as accurate as Teddy and Drew Brees are. I think he's more of a down-the-field passer who's going to take some more risks, who has a bigger arm, but risk-reward will be the situation they'll be looking at. So I think, like J.D. says, I think it will help having a week of practice as the number one guy in practice, as taking all the, the first-team snaps, kind of getting an idea of what Jameis can do. And look, they have a good idea what he can do. They wouldn't have brought him in if they didn't know. They played against him a number of times. They've seen him play. They've seen the good and the bad from Jameis Winston. But you hope that you get more of the good out of him going forward. And you hope that he is able to realize, I've got a lot of weapons around me that I can rely on. Hand the ball off to Alvin. Uh, throw the ball to Michael Thomas. Look in the flat. Look at Jared Cook. There are a lot of options on this team where he doesn't have to feel like he has to do everything himself. He may not have had that situation in Tampa, but he has that here. Now, getting a guy to change his tendencies and what he's always done, that's the most difficult part. So we'll see going forward. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Can you get that risk out of him? Uh, so he'll check it down on third and eight. Mm -hmm. Take a, 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 maybe not a loss, but have to punt it and put your defense field and trust them to get you the ball back that's the thing you have to see if you can get with you know James Winston you've got that with Drew Brees now Drew Brees doesn't take unnecessary risk and so can you get that out of James again you know he was in Tampa and that was that you know the whole you know no risk it no biscuit you know down the field and and you know a lot of those end up in tip passes or you know bad things happen when you force it now we saw him in training camp he's got a marvelous arm. He can fit it into some tight windows. And you'll say, you know what? I hadn't seen anybody do that in a long time. But there's a time and a place for that. <laughs> you can't live off that. And you don't need to live off that when you got Alvin Kamara in the flat or when you got Michael Thomas you know, running underneath. You don't need to live off that. You can be a little bit more conservative. So can you get that risk out of him? We'll, we'll, we'll see. Time will tell. That's obviously the biggest news of this Monday. We'll have more news on NewOrleansSaints.com as we get more information. But let's talk now more about yes or about um, Sunday's game. Demario Davis, C.J. Garner-Johnson combined for 14 tackles yesterday. I mean, you can't say enough about what they did for the Saints defense yesterday. One, what have you thought about how much Demario Davis has been able to contribute to this defense, how consistent he is, and the emergence of C.J. Garner-Johnson? Well, I think they've both been fantastic. I'm not surprised by Demario because that's how he's played since he's been here. He has been a lead by example, first kind of uh, linebacker, kind of player on this defense. There's a reason why he's so thought of so highly around the league. And he has played up to the expectation that for the reason why they brought him here. CJGJ has been fantastic this year. He's an on the edge kind of football player. You either love him or you hate him. You want him on your team, not on the other team. But for all the great plays he's going to make, he's going to make a mistake and get that late hit or that illegal hit or some penalty. But normally he's going to make up for it on another on another play. So I think he's been fantastic. And what I like about him the most is that he brings an attitude to playing the game of football on defense. He brings an attitude and an expectation of himself that he wants to be great in this league. And you can see that in the way he plays. Uh, he's already said, look, I'm not going to change how I play. This is who I am. Either you love me or you hate me. And I hope my teammates love me for what I do. But I think they love him for the way he's playing right now. And you like the matchup when you put him on the field. You like who he's going up against. And you believe that nine times out of ten, he's going to win that battle. And, yes, he's going to be overly aggressive sometimes. And a really good team and a really good quarterback may take advantage of that sometime, but you still will take your chances with him because he's that good of a football player. You know, and I'll say this about him. I, I 
I don't want this to be an insult, and you know, some people might take it as that. He reminds me of Kenny Vaccaro, but absolutely, yes, a little bit more athleticism. Um, he can cover and he can get to places. Uh, he was about two tackles away from me calling him CD Deuce the rest of the year <laughs> because he he was all over the place yesterday. You can line him up anywhere and use him as a weapon. And Demario, man, I mean, Demario was just. It seemed like he was a step ahead all game. Um, he's a guy who's really, really voracious in film study. And he just seemed to know what the Niners wanted to do. And he was meeting them at the point of attack. It seemed like every play. He only ended up with 12 tackles. It felt like it was 25. But he just seemed like he was all over the place. Those two defensively, and you got to have help, obviously. You got to have everybody else doing their jobs. But those two defensively almost took over the game because they seemed to be making every play. Uh, defensively for the Saints. And JD, one thing I want to mention, you were talking about uh, Kenny Vaccaro. I was thinking the exact same thing because I remember when Vaccaro came into training camp his first year, the veteran players were complaining because he was playing so aggressive. They're like, who is this rookie hitting people after the play? That was the attitude and the mentality he brought to the field. It made that defense better. I don't know if CJGJ would have been the same way in training camp this year. We didn't have a normal training camp, obviously, but you kind of feel like he would have been that aggressive guy getting in people's faces. Michael Thomas, what happened there? We may never know, but I can understand if Michael Thomas hit him, you understand why, because I bet he brings that same attitude, that nastiness, that dirtiness, but fair football in your face to practice as well, just like he does in the game. But yeah, Kenny Vaccaro, a perfect comparison. He's like that little sibling who won't leave you alone with your friends. Like, get out of here. Get out. Um, Juan, how much does having a guy like Quan Alexander open up things for this defense and open up for things like – or players like Demario Davis to have a more successful game like we saw yesterday? Well, I think if they can keep Quan Alexander healthy, I think you already already got yourself an advantage over what Alex Anzalone brought because his biggest issue, he couldn't remain on the field as good of a player he is. But I think Quan Alexander has more range as a linebacker. And I think from what we've seen and known him over the years playing at LSU, he's a guy that can stay on the field for every down. Is he as impactful as Demario Davis is? Probably not. But I think he can be a really good cover linebacker, something that you didn't get as good a job from Alex Anzalone. I think it's a great pickup for the team. And I've always loved what the Saints have done over the years with Mickey Loomis and Sean Payton. They've addressed, they've recognized a need on the football team, offense or defense, and gone out and tried to find the best player possible that could fit that need. It doesn't always work out, but I believe in Quan Alexander, it will. And what better time to bring him on the field for the first time than against his former team, which decided to let him go. You know, Juan, you've seen this team a lot. Are, are these last couple of games, uh, Tampa Bay and San Francisco, ha has this been as good a defensive groove as you've seen? Uh, maybe in the Sean Payton era because you give up, you know, three one week, you give up a touchdown the next, but they really kind of locked in, as, and especially from a defense, yeah, struggled a lot mm -hmm. early season. Well, I mean, you think back to the, the 09 year. What was the thing about that defense, J.D.? They were opportunistic. With yes. Darren Sharp and those guys in secondary, they weren't like – smash mouth, stop the run like crazy, but they would pick off a ball. You throw it up there, they're going to go get it. This defense does a little bit of both. They're lacking on the turnovers, but that's starting to come around. But defensively, you know, we wondered who would be the opposite guy of Cam Jordan to get a pass rush. It's Trey Hendrickson. Who? You wondered who, if they're going to be able to get a pass rush for that front four, and you're seeing in these last two games, especially the last game, they didn't need the blitz hardly at all. Yeah. And if they did, who was the guy that San Fran would never account for? CJ, GJ. I don't yeah. get that. That's their fault. But I think this defense has been 
has, has had to carry the load for this offense. And we haven't said that very much in the Sean Payton, Drew Brees era. It's always been, can the defense catch up? The offense is going to be there. We're not so much, not so sure how going forward, how much that offense is going to be there, depending on who the quarterback is. But you got you got a good feeling that this defense is going to be constant going forward based on the personality and the individuals they have on the defense. I think to your point, David Onyemata, I mean, you talk about Trey Hendrickson, but David Onyemata has been a guy that's been consistent for this defensive line, especially now in the absence of Sheldon Rankins. I feel like that those front guys have really stepped up and really helped take pressure off the secondary, honestly. Well, I think David Onyemata has been fantastic. Um, And, you know, when you, when you have your teammates talking about you in such high regard, you realize how good this player is, but people don't really talk about him that much until he shows up on the, on the score sheet on the tackle sheet. And next thing you know, he's got a sack. He's got a couple of tackles for loss here. He's been disruptive. He takes on two offensive linemen at one time to open the lanes up for the linebackers coming through or, or does twists and everything. I mean, he's been a really good player for this team as long as he's been in, which hasn't been very long. We think about it, he hasn't played a lot of football in, in his lifetime. So I think he's been great. I think the thing is, I want, I want to see him mic'd up because yeah. Oh, yeah. Cam Jordan today, you know, he gets revved up. Now you interview him. He speaks softly and he doesn't say much, but he must be saying something. Oh, yeah. Every and, time I see him talk trash, I'm like, what is he possibly saying? Like, <laughs> what know, are you saying? And he's got a mean, so he's mean. got a mean streak in him because you know he'll he'll make a you know, he'll play a little borderline. He he might hit you and it might be kind of close to being late, but you know, he's got an edge to him and, and you like that. He's just a real quiet guy. If he had CJ's CJ GJ's mouth, he, you know, they'd probably be kindred spirits. Oh, could you imagine them micing up some certain players on the Saints? Cam Jordan would be fantastic. <laughs> CJ, GJ, you may have to bleep every other word. Yeah, you, you know could, it's you not all him. church words. You could not uh, mic him. Oh, my goodness. Marshawn Lattimore. I mean, it will be fun, but uh, but I got to watch after 9 p.m. I want to know. I want to know what Cam is saying every time he comes into the huddle because you know how Cam is. We all know how Cam is. You know, one thing, squirrel, leaf, whatever. Like he's in a million different directions. So is he like on the field, like thinking about the game, or is he thinking about you know a million different things and saying that to everyone in the huddle? Like I want to know like what he says when he's in the. I huddle. think Cam might be walking around saying "man, woman, camera." <laughs> <laughs> There's no telling with him. He's. Uh. Probably- Talking about, you know, he might be talking about some show his kids are watching. Yeah. You know with him. Yeah, you never know with him. He might be talking about what he plans on cooking later on. <laughs> I mean, he, Probably he, inviting the offensive line when he's beaten four times over to have a meal because <laughs> they feel so sorry for him. <laughs> One last question before we let you go. Um, yesterday, Alan Kamara was the leading leading receiver, but Michael Thomas uh, second. We we've seen over these last few weeks. You know, we talked about the offensive chemistry and stuff. Obviously, Michael Thomas was out, and and Breeze and Thomas were just trying to you know getting to where they were yeah. picking up where they left off. Now you possibly bring in another quarterback into that equation. How does Michael Thomas factor in? Or help. Well, he has to find a way to get more involved in the offense, and the Saints have to find a way to get him more involved. Listen, as you mentioned, he was trying to get back on rhythm, back in sync with Drew Brees because they've missed so much time during this season so far. And just when you feel like, okay, game number two back, we, we, maybe he can find a bit of a rhythm with the team, and and it doesn't happen because Brees goes out. Next thing you know, it's Teddy. I mean, I'm I'm sorry, uh, Jameis throwing the ball to him, and you can see the look on Michael's face when those balls sailed over his head, like. What's going on here? It's going to take a little more time. But what you like is that Michael Thomas is Michael Thomas, and you know that if the ball is going to be in his vicinity, in his radius, 
is likely going to catch it no matter who's throwing the ball to him. So I would like to think that that's going to get straightened out. Should we expect him to catch 10, 15 balls going forward here? Probably not. But if he can get in the five to eight range per game and therefore everyone else is getting involved, then I'm okay with that. That means the offense is getting back into some kind of a rhythm. I will say this. One thing I didn't like about the offense yesterday, I didn't like how Sean Payton was rotating the quarterbacks early on. I would have liked to have seen him put Jameis in there and let him get a rhythm right away the more snaps he could. Eventually, it kind of changed to Jameis being in there. But I think Payton was probably just filling things out as well. It's going to be interesting to see how they play this going forward. How much is Jameis going to be the starter full-time and how much is Taysom going to factor in uh, running the read option, throwing the ball as well? Going to be curious to see how Sean Payton plays that. J.D., any final thoughts before we let Juan go? Yeah, I'm going to assume Jason uh, that Taysom's going to excuse me that Jameis is going to be the starter because you still want Taysom in those in those exactly. Roles. But as Juan said, you could increase his snaps uh, with Jason. With I keep wanting to say Jason. Why do I want to say Jason? Tamis. <laughs> I think you're trying to blend the two. Yeah, okay. I keep saying the, but you know, I, I think with Jameis there, you know, you might want to you might see a little bit more of Taysom just as he yeah. gets a little bit more acclimated. But, you know, we'll see how it goes and see what's more successful because, again, James, James can throw that thing. Now, you want to make sure he's throwing it to the right guys. Yeah. Throw that thing. And so we'll see exactly how much they want to, you know, pull the wraps off him and let him throw it. I'm concerned. I'm concerned going forward. From, uh, Fox 8 joining us on today's show to recap the Saints' win over the Niners yesterday. Juan, thanks so much for joining us. My pleasure. Thank you very much. Okay, great conversation with Juan Kincaid. We'll have much more information for you available all week on NewOrleansSaints.com and the Saints app as soon as we have updates. We will try to get them to you. We'll have your injury reports available on Wednesday following practice and then, of course, Thursday and Friday as well. So make sure you download that Saints app, turn on your notifications, and you will be notified as soon as we have information. All right, that'll do it for the Monday victory edition of the New Orleans Saints podcast presented by SeatGeek. Again, your Saints get the win over the 49ers, 27-13. to 13. Big win, Mark 6 in a row. And now, turning our focus to the Atlanta Falcons. All right, we will have more on that as we go throughout the week. We'll have another guest, as always, on Wednesday and Friday. So be sure to tune in. But for now, thanks for listening. Have a great rest of your Monday and enjoy the rest of the week.